Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. Is it on? Yeah, it's oh. the, the counting and everything happened. I just didn't tell you that the counting was happening. Well, I'm sorry. I was just doing my own research. But I, you know what I found out? What did you find out? We're in Ybor City. It's <laughs> Sunday. And that means it's time to jump <clears throat> into the rotation. See, I have to oh, slam the, the oh, table shit. that time. I didn't now I didn't start the music. Right there. Okay, we are here. We are on a Sunday afternoon. You're here. I'm here. Keno's over there. Yeah. We labeled our cities. You're in Washington D.C. We're in Ybor City. That is just such cool graphics. I don't know. I might want to put like Chillum on there. I don't know. I don't want to self promote. Repeatedly, the best CBD dispensary in Tampa. All all day, every day. Every <laughs> single day. And it's and it's and it's run by our fabulous uh, assistant director and uh, my co-host on this. Carlos Angel de Ermida. Assistant director? Bra. Deputy. Deputy. Deputy, Is there Deputy a director. Deputy. I ain't nobody's secretary, all right? That's right. And when they yeah. shoot the director, they did not shoot the deputy. Yeah, <laughs> and that makes you the deputy dog. Yeah, that, that means that if anything ever happens to Kano, <laughs> I got to step up. And speaking of Kano, he happens to be in the, uh, in, the, in the beltway, and that is our director, not just deputy. He's the executive. He's the executive director. The executive director. He, yeah, in his C-suite in the Beltway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you uh, here in uh, the D.C. area some interesting developments. Uh, in July 1st, the state of Virginia, um, you know, their, their legalization measures uh, went into effect. And uh, since they legalized marijuana, uh, arrests have dropped 90%. Shocker. Huh. Huh. <laughs> Who thunk? Just since July 1st, arrests have dropped 90%. So, uh, and so I, I just want to say a big shout out to Virginia Normal, uh, to Jen Michelle and all the great work that they're doing there. Um, you know, uh, Virginia Normal has really helped uh, give us a great example of, of what it takes to change public policy. They not only help change the laws to pass uh, adult use, but they also uh, change laws to address whether or not smell is something that police can search your car over. And, and that's no longer the case. And it's changing laws That's in other cool. states. Uh, Delaware Supreme Court just ruled this week that the smell or odor of marijuana is not enough for a warrantless search uh, by police. So, you know, more and more, I see the role of normal becoming a civil rights uh, and always has been a civil rights organization uh, tr working to protect the civil rights of cannabis users. And that's fantastic because you got because think about it. If you smell ass, it's not necessarily expensive cheese. That's the important thing you need to get when it, when it comes down to what you smell in a car automatically should be should lead to your arrest. So things aren't always exactly the way it seems. Wouldn't you say it that way? Um, I mean, my car always smells like ass. So 
<laughs> well, you gotta stop buying that expensive no, cheese. I'm happy. I'm happy, Kano, <laughs> that you shout out Virginia Normal. But I do have to admit, I was like poking around online. And I saw this meme uh, that they're pushing out, and one of the things that they're they're so proud of, and they should be, but I'm jealous of, is that they were the first state in the South to legalize marijuana, mm-hmm. and. We've always been saying like, oh, Florida's like fucking we're fucking moving and we're medical marijuana system. We're the leaders of the marijuana in the South. But I don't know. I guess we got surpassed. Well, I mean, Florida, we are the third largest market in the country right now. And we're the only of those three states that is medical only. The other two being Colorado and California, of course, are the, are the mixtures. And so, therefore, they have a lot more. But we are still, even with just a medical hey, program, with approximately 700,000 uh, patients online. What you said just now just said, like, what, what I heard is a lot of patients are paying way too much for marijuana. They're paying way too much for their medical marijuana card. That uh, we're the largest, in, in, and we should celebrate from, like, business terms. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that's all about the business and everything. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's still it's like a lot of people are getting screwed over because of marijuana. And well, and then as, as somebody who's involved in business and marketing, you know, there's a difference between uh, price and value. Correct. Uh, yes. I mean, you could spend ten dollars on something which is worth ten dollars or you could buy ten, something for ten dollars that's worth thirty dollars. Right now here in Florida, in, in on the average, we're spending thirty five dollars on something which other places is worth $10. Not exactly what we really want, but that is why a lot of people are calling Florida, and this is the, one of the newest uh, expressions out there, Midsville. Midsville? Mm. It's because our weed sucks. <laughs> we're, we're, we're from here to Midtown. And well, there are strain, strains coming uh, from companies who do believe in a higher quality product. Mm-hmm. And like, like Cookies and Jungle Boys, which I'm, not, which I'm not going to name here because we're not supposed to support anybody just, who hasn't given just, us any money. So I didn't say that. You just did. Not really. <laughs> you said Cookies and uh, Jungle Boys. See, there you, that's, you get you, That's not. That, I'm it's on the you first. then. You, you said it. I didn't say it. What is going on right now? Well, it's it's called alternate reality. We're, we're, <laughs> we're into that kind of thing right here in the United States. Oh, I have to, somebody has to do something to say something, and then somebody re- reads it in the paper. They've done their own research, and all of a sudden, it's real. <laughs> well, you know, I do want to go back to one thing, Carlos, that you mentioned. The difference, the reason why that Virginia has moved ahead of Florida is because they had a change in who controlled their state government. And and so uh, Virginia went triple blue a couple years back. And as much as I hate wading into partisan politics, you know, right now it tend, it seems to be, you know, that the vast majority of folks in the GOP tend to ally with the prohibitionists. I mean, here I mean, in Florida, the GOP legislatures gave reefer madness experts time uh, to talk about THC caps, where they gave folks like us zero time to refute those those false claims. That's right. And, and uh, Alec Berenson, the, the, uh, the fantastic author who gave us such great books as Tell Your Children, named a, uh, nicknamed after the original name for Reefer Madness, to prove to everybody that cannabis uh, makes kids turn, uh, psychos- uh, get into psychosis and all that kind of stuff. And you, you got to love a guy who has done all of his own research wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And, and yet makes a, uh, a New Year's time, uh, New York Times best-selling book out of it. And then he goes on a tour later on this, this last year talking about how uh, COVID is a hoax and how the, uh, the vaccine is, is, was manufactured to make money and to hurt people. Mm. 
So okay. <laughs> Alec is still at it. He, was, yeah. he, he spoke over at CPAC. And I'm certain he has nice, long conversations with Kevin Zabet, another one of our favorites, to discuss what their next moves are to try to, uh, to flim-flam uh, people out there in regards to how bad cannabis is when it isn't. But, and uh, one of the things that, uh, that Kevin had talked about uh, to uh, our good uh, Senator Ray Rodriguez was that there is a new THC in town and it is 300 times more potent and it's going to wipe out kids' minds. They're just going to turn them into blank slates. Really? I want to try that shit. I don't think you want to try that <laughs> shit. I do want to try that straight, shit. Straight tabula rasa in this bad boy. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, everybody smokes it, and then all of a sudden you have a zombie apocalypse. Whoa. What? What is, this, <laughs> what is this, this, this magical form of THC that he's talking about? Well, actually, it, it actually just appeared this last week in a couple of different places, and we're talking about a, a cannabinoid called THCP. And the P stands for, for phenol. And for those of you who are into organic chemistry, that means rather than having our, an, an aromatic seven carbon ring or heptal ring, this has a pentyl ring, which has five carbons instead. So it has a couple extra double bonds so that it, it actually does fit. Uh, it, it becomes a smaller model, a molecule, and supposedly mm. grabs the, uh, the CI1 uh, receptors stronger, and therefore it hangs on longer. It takes longer to to, to a, attack as far as sim- the effects are concerned, and it hangs around for like two days. Hmm. Now, so the THCP doesn't stand for pretty good weed, just <laughs> a scientific term. <laughs> so wait, like, all right, here's what I'm thinking, right? I've spent a good majority of my life high, right? Hi. It's been pretty good. It really has. It hasn't been a bad thing, right? And you're telling me that you got something that like will get me higher for longer, and it's bad. <laughs> it makes you make it makes you question, right? But there is there is a threshold, there is a, a balance in nature, and if you think about it, if nature created cannabis in a certain way to to have certain medicinal effects, and you go in there with your chemistry set, and you go ahead and you change everything around. You pull out a molecule, which is at an extremely low level in the plant itself, and mm. and multiply the amount that it's available in a product by one thousand, which is what they have done. They said they're claiming it takes uh, one thousand kilograms to create one milligram of this stuff. Mm. Mm. Uh, and, and we're talking about hemp; mm. it's being derived strictly from hemp. And the people who are working on it also claim that there's no no test for it. So if you're somebody who wants to imbibe and, and have it have a test, uh, have a totally clean urine when you have to go to the probation office or whatever, here it is. And uh, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry, Gary, to interrupt, but I just wanted what you just said, just my, mind blown. You're telling me that scientists have figured out a way to legally derive a, a, a cannabinoid from hemp so you can essentially get it over the counter uh, that gets you higher longer and that is untraceable on a drug test and somehow this is a bad thing? Wait, you mean untraceable on a drug test or like HPLC like testing the amount of THC? Yeah, help us, help us out with this, Gary. Okay, now, I, I, I constantly spend too much of my time trying to, to quell the fears of so many people who are afraid to take the vaccine because it was only tested for six months on only 300,000 individuals 
before it was released to the market that, and, and then put out a million times. That, that's this, not me, though. <laughs> no, it's, it's not you. But yeah, here's a product everybody's saying, well, let's, let's, let's give it a try kind of situation that has had zero testing. We have um, no idea what, what the long-term effects are. We, we were, and it is, again, a molecule which normally is in such small quantities, it's almost undetectable in the plant. And you're multiplying it by by a thousand. Oh, it's undetectable in the plant. I thought you meant undetectable by drug screen. I was like, well, that's well, kind of stuff for that. <laughs> well, they they haven't set up a, a a test for it that actually detects that pencil ring and things of that sort that, that allows you to go ahead and find it, it even within somebody's body. They have no okay. idea what's what's going to happen to it once it gets into the liver. We don't know what kind of isotopes are going to be created. We, we, we have we have we have zero research on this, and I never had a problem with the fact that there was zero research on the cannabis house smoking back in the 1980s because it was in our own mind what they call GRAS or generally regarded as safe which is which is an FDA term because of the fact that it's been used for thousands of years wait wait this, the FDA term for the weed back in your day Gary was grass <laughs> <laughs> yes as a matter they of fact they came up with that shit <laughs> somebody in the FDA was puffing <laughs> Well, but the thing is, they still weren't weren't going to put it take it off of Schedule One because that's where it was set up in the uh, Controlled I, Substance Act in 1970. But 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 studies that they had done afterwards said this is generally regarded as safe, and that is what they're doing right now in regards to hemp. Mm. They're, they're saying that it's legal because it should be generally regarded as safe. Well, that's interesting that you say that because this week the Food and Drug Administration and the CDC uh, issued warnings on Tuesday, warning consumers about the potential risk of Delta-8 THC. Now, Carlos, you yeah. you sell Delta-8. Uh, you had a big article this week in Creative Loafing about the Canagars uh, that you're selling at Chillum. So tell us a little bit more about um, Safe Delta-8, which I know you you aspire to make sure that you're selling safe so, products. So, so tell us more about what you do. So here's the FDA had like five reasons why uh, uh, Delta eight could be considered like harmful. And there were some, you, you know, so you read through these reasons and you, you kind of get a general regard that um, um, first off, I think like the first reason is that like the FDA has not, um, you know, uh, deemed it as safe. Right. Um, like they haven't looked at it's it. It's not grass. Yeah. Well, well, no, 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 no. It's that they haven't, they they haven't looked at it. It's even like they came out with hemp with this this rule for hemp itself. They're like, we're not going to say that this product is, is is something that that we're going to stand by, but it's generally regarded as safe. You guys could sell it. You just guys have to, you know, follow these specific rules, right? Uh, so like they, it's I I believe. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pull this shit up, but um, pull this shit up, Paul. So <laughs> Carlos. FDA rules are. Oh, by the way, Chris, while he's doing that, I found the best little Dominican place that sells air fried foods. It's in the new Tampa Mall on, on Bush Boulevard. So when you when you come back, you, you guys got to go here and, and check that out. Really is good stuff, and it's not oily or anything. Well, okay, you know, so, funny, funny you should say that, Gary. My, my wife has recently got into making uh, tostones in the air fryer. So air fried frittura sounds very delicious and healthy. <laughs> so she's been, she's been frying your tostones, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, you, you know, uh, she got an air frying recipe and they're trying to put them in the air fryer so, you know, they're not getting deep fried. 
All right, so I, I see your so, link here, Carlos. So right. I'm dropping the link in the chat, and I'm going to post it. Good segue. To the bottom here. We, next, um, we got to work on infused empanadas. So the FDA posted to their website, FDA.gov, right? Um, five five things to know about Delta Eight, right? Delta Eight THC has serious health. Yes. And there's five five reasons basically why they would say that Delta Eight has serious health risks. First reason. Number Del- one, Delta ATAC products have not been evaluated or approved by the FDA for safe use and may be marketed in ways that put the public health at risk. So because we haven't done the research, and you can't you, you can't try it yet. It's kind of like the FDA's uh, mission, isn't it? Well, they're not necessarily saying that they can't, they can't try it, are they? Like They're just saying, like, hey, if you try it, we're washing our hands here. We're not saying it's good. We're not saying it's bad. Right, we're just having evaluated. Based on FDA rules and regulations, the only thing you you have right to try is when you're you're considered terminal. Uh, based on the law that was that was created about two years ago, I really I, like, I would hate to be in, in, at that have, particular like, point. I I well, like I I really have like a, a lot of uh, like beef with the FDA now. Apparently, like for for deeper reasons. I actually like Scott Gottlieb, to be honest with you. I mean, he was he was giving giving things a critical eye, but he was also tied legislatively. Reason number two, Gary. The FDA Reason has number two. received adverse events reports involving Delta ATAC containing uh containing products. Okay. So and there's some stats I want to go over considering this, right? So the FDA re- received adverse event reports. Adverse event reports are uh, um Events that are reported by consumers or doctors, hospitals, things like that. Or law right. enforcement. Or law enforcement, right? Um, these are events where, uh, and here, here's the thing, adverse events, and it says directly underneath, include vo- vomiting, hallucinations, trouble standing, and loss of consciousness. So it seems to me that these adverse event, events just seem to be people that got too stoned and don't know what to do. That is a problem with right. what, is, what is called self-reporting. Mm. If, a, if a doctor doesn't evaluate that you at that point, they have to take your word for it. And in some cases, and it does happen, especially with the vaccine, that people just report total bullshit. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, and like says- even if like 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 there's some of these stats that talk about. I'm sorry, Kano, but like uh, how the percentage of these people that are pediatric uh, patients, right, less of the 18 years of age, or 39 percent. Um, unintentional exposure. So this, a lot of these are like kids and pets getting into your Delta 8 and eating it. And you're like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do, my baby. And you take the kid to the hospital and the doctor tells it tells the mom, like, just give him some Cheetos and an Arizona iced tea can. I prescribe the munchies. And, you know, that's the end of it. Um, at worst, they get their stomach pumped. At worst. All right. Anything else, Gary? You got something there? Uh, well, again, you look, you, you look like you got something to say, bro. Well, the, the, again, the thing about self-reporting is the, the results have to be corroborated, yeah. and if they're not corroborated, then they can't guarantee that those events even happened at all. And the second they have to do, the second thing they have to do with, with any adverse effect is see if it's actually tied to the product itself and not something else that was happening at that time. I mean, if you went out and you you bought a, yeah, a box of twelve Twinkies and knocked that down. And then smoked a joint, and all of a sudden you gained 15 pounds and said, oh, my God, this cannabis makes me gain 15 pounds. You have to consider, you know, the, but, all the circumstances. But, again, these are situations that, oh, my kid 
ate my my gummy. That's that's something that they're they're verifying. What do you say? Collaborated, coagulated, collaborated, collaborated, collaborated. Right. There's a lot of C's involved here. Cooperation, yeah. causation, and correlation. And, and the doctor, you know, maybe I'm like giving a romantic timeline about Arizona iced tea prescription. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, the doctor is say, saying to these people, you're just a little too high, man. You just need to calm down. Like, that's essentially <laughs> what happens. Yes. Get a grip. Yeah. It essentially is what happens. Come on now. All right. All right. So, 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 now, so now we're in, different, in number four. And we're in we're in number three, which oh, is man. which is obvious here. <clears throat> Delta ATC has psychoactive and intoxicating effects. Just the fact that it gets you stoned, they're against it, right? Yeah. And let's bear in mind the FDA. We talked about uh, the FDA and hemp, but let's talk about these the are the FDA guys that, are, that approved Adderall for pediatric use. Right? Let's, uh, fuck all that, right? Let's just talk about weed. Let's just talk about cannabinoids. What they do with weed? Well, they both get you high. Okay, thank you. Delta ATC products often involve okay, this is an this is an important one, and this is the one that we need to talk about seriously, because this is extremely important. Delta ATC products often involve use of potentially harmful chemicals to create the concentrations of Delta ATC claimed in the marketplace. Mm. Right? So, right, the process of Delta ATC being made, I don't know, I think Gary here should talk about that for a second. How, oh, how, how Delta did, 8 is made? Yeah, how, how, how does that, that go down? Uh, you basically acidify uh, hemp, and the, the CBD automatically gets, uh, starts getting converted to T, uh, Delta 8, which is normally in very low concentrations, but it increases the concentration because it increases the transition or the reaction. The problem is we don't know how many other isomers uh, are created at the same time as just the, uh, the Delta 8 when you acidify the THCA. Mm. And also, again, we don't know what, what Delta-8 does in the liver when it's at that concentration. So those are the, those are the things they're concerned about, but they have been doing research on that. Mm. Mm. And your puppy's trying to get a hold of you there, Kenna. I know it. <laughs> so so what, what we're talking about here is uh, the process of changing CBD, right? It's Delta-8 originally is CBD. You got to change CBD into Delta-8. So you add an acid to it. Right. Yep. And it converts uh, the delta eight molecule. Right. And then um, the process here is then isolating that 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 cannabinoid. Right. Um, and that taking that cannabinoid out of all of these harmful chemicals because that's essentially what happens. You have uh, this mixture here that that has acid in it, and there's also all of these other these other uh, what do you call them isomers isomers. Right. That, that we don't really understand and could be potentially harmful, right? And quite honestly, could, I mean, if it's coming from out of the fucking acid, they, there might be some harmful isomers in there. I mean, you can't deny that. But the process is, is that we got to remove the delta ATC from this. So we, we basically make, uh, make a distillate from this, uh, this mixture, right? Yeah, let's be clear, in the 19th, if go ahead, go ahead. this process is not done properly, you can hurt somebody yep right you can seriously hurt somebody here's the thing being in florida the department of agriculture right and consumer services and consumer services has been regulating hemp for quite some time now um when delta 8 first started coming out they were very quick to talk about it they're very quick to say that they're how they're going to regulate it 
They're regulated specifically the way that CBD products that are consumed are regulated, right? So um, I have had the Department of Agriculture come into my shop because they know that a certain batch for certain products have come up with harmful chemicals, right? These people are out there, they're testing it, they're regulating it. We're fortunate enough in Florida to have a governing body that looks after us and tries to make sure that these, these companies are doing the right thing, right? Do they get everything? Probably not, right? Are there bad players in Florida? Probably, yeah, they probably are. But we fortunately do have that governing body here. And, and not just Florida, because you, you, you actually get, you can do interstate commerce with CBD products. And so yes. therefore, you're not just getting products that are made in Florida, they're made in, uh, in, in BF, Arkansas, or in California, or any place else where they decide to have a, put a lab. And the question is, is a lab a legitimate lab, like something as bright and sparkly as, as Keisha, where everything is clean and bright and everything is, and everything is totally legit? Or was it made in somebody's basement in their bathtub? Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I find it interesting this point here that it, the, the FDA and CDC are saying, you know, manufacturing of Delta 8 may occur in uncontrolled or unsanitary settings. And That's I'm, what they're and, talking about. And looking at the pictures that I've seen from corporate grows here in Florida, or there in Florida, uh, I mean, corporate booth is made in unsanitary and unsafe <laughs> settings. And they sell that to medical patients at, at, at various dispensaries around the state <laughs> at over 100 dispensaries. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're not going to name any, any MMTCs in particular, but it is interesting that, like, for instance, here, most concentrates, when they're made properly, are kind of like an ochre yellow color, correct? So if you see a, 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 if you, amber, so if you see a concentrate that is like green <laughs> or orange, uh, straight it, up tar. Yeah, it, it's possible that it's not quite exactly the product you think it is. Yeah. No, I mean, we've been going through this with medical marijuana for quite some time. We've been going through this with hemp, believe it or not, for quite some time. There's people out there that fucking fuck it up. Yeah. That's it. You know, there are people out there that are greedy. They're not in it for the right reasons. All that, you know, all that fucking shit. Like, they they just mess up the industry. And they're and typically from South Florida. <laughs> <laughs> they're from that South Florida region. Yeah. We're not going to name names because they know who they are. No, but let's be real. Every time we have a new designer drug crisis, it's always Broward, Palm Beach, and, and Dade counties that are, that are at the core of the damn problem. That, like ate that guy's face off and then like jumped off the highway in Miami. Or, or you know? it's, that, it's that space in between Gainesville and, and Tampa where they have you know the, all the rural counties. You have citrus and, and, and that kind of stuff. There's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on there too. I didn't, I didn't know they had uh, uh, synthetic drug problems in Waldo, but, you know. <laughs> no, not Waldo. We're talking about on, on the West Coast. On the, on the what was it, was it, the Emerald Coast, I guess they call it? The, the Treasure Coast? I forget which coast it is. Space I just, coast? I just, I just coast through Florida. I don't know. I, I like the fact coast. that we're, we're the Sun Coast. Yeah, we're, sun the, coast. we're the Sun Coast. They're the what, Space what? Coast versus the, the, uh, the Emerald Coast, I guess, is the underside of the, of the panhandle, right? Although I think if it's the Emerald Coast, it shouldn't be a place that is heavy in meth. It should be heavy in cannabis. But we're, we're, I, I degrade. Oh, my headphones <laughs> fell off. That's, that's the best oh, way man. it works. I got like really worked up about the Delta 8 stuff, guys. I'm sorry. I can no, tell. It, it's good, man. I, I think we need to talk about my chair, this. actually. <laughs> well, you know, I will say this much. Trust in the FDA and, and, and is now translated into the CDC is at an all-time low. 
Um, you know, prior to uh, my graduation in my master's program, I'll never forget my professor coming to me and saying, Chris, if you really want to make money with your master's in public administration, go work for the FDA. And I said, why? And he said, because the same companies that you regulate will pay you millions of dollars to write white papers for favorable reviews of their products. And then those quote you as an FDA, like scientist or regulator, to give credence to it, which is why you see these commercials on TV for these drugs. They say, ask your doctor about this drug. And then they say real fast, all the side effects may cause anal leakage and suicidal thoughts. Yeah, well, the problem is if you work for the FDA, they own all the products of your work. And so, therefore, if you go out and put out a product of your own without their approval, you will lose that job. Dang. If you work for the military and you created a new product that uh, is like a new hypersonic signal that knocks people's socks off, they they own the the patent, not you, if you work for the military. I don't want to go. That is part of uh, working for the government. I don't want to go off on the FDA anymore, but I I do want to say this. Like, I got really worked up about the Delta 8, and I get really worked up about hemp and everything and being my business and all. But, you know, um, all this shit would just be fucking over if they just fucking legalized marijuana. Well, I'm glad you said that, Carlos, because the Cannabis uh, Opportunity Administration Act, that's the Senate bill, which will essentially remove cannabis from the Schedule 1, gives regulatory powers uh, to the FDA and, and that's something to be concerned about, because if the FDA is producing stuff like this right now, what are they going to say about uh, cannabis when it's no longer a controlled substance? You know, and, and how are they, is that going to affect uh, state level markets? Because, well, that's the thing, though, is like corporate cannabis is already taken over. So once it's like legalized, I would say they just fucking bribe the FDA and all of a sudden they're giving out. Favorable, favorable reviews on True Leaves product. Well, let's talk about this, the word controlled substance. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, Carlos, are you saying that True Leaf would ever be involved in a, uh, what, a government bribery? Never. I, I, I'm not saying all that. I'm saying yeah. that they're the Walmart of weed. They, they say are the they Walmart, are the Walmart of weed. Walmart and weed. I'm yeah. sure Walmart bribes the FDA. For we make some the bullshit. best Korean made <laughs> stuff made in the USA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the FDA bribes or Walmart bribes the FDA for something. There's something they do that they got to bribe the FDA well, for. Having worked in so Tallahassee, I can say that there are, eventually will. <laughs> there, there are several different revenue streams that, that occur in Tallahassee, some of which have more effect than others on, on, on particular bills and votes. And but the thing is, we do have a an Money. industry. Well, government also has checks and balances too. That is why so many of the bills that were absolutely <laughs> insane on their surface and insane farther in too are now being challenged in the courts it's as like, they are as they are being implemented. It's really hard to balance your checks in government. Now, of course, if you change the uh, the Get court it. system Money. so that the people who are there are going to be doing your bidding, then that's one less checks and balances that you've got, so you can go ahead and continue uh, being corrupt. Now, Chris, you've heard the story of, of why Tallahassee is the, is the capital, not Orlando, right? Yeah, I mean, because back in the old days, it was halfway between Jacksonville and Pensacola, and everything south of Gainesville was Spanish Florida. <laughs> right. But then they found out that as long as Tallahassee was the capital and not Orlando, which was becoming a, uh, a population center, then it was easier to do things that were on the corrupt side and have less of the state know about it, especially before social media and mm. and when somebody blinks in Tallahassee, somebody farts in Miami, the kind of thing about it. 
That's what happened, Gary. I'm sorry. I I fucked up the show. We're so we're 11 minutes late for the cheese pot. <laughs> but I got I got so pissed about the Delta Eight stuff, and I we we haven't even talked about you know regular Florida. But uh, yeah. So Gary, what, yes. What time is it, buddy? <sighs> <laughs> And the G stands for go do your own research because I don't feel like doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was actually thinking of a better title. It's kind of kind of like uh, giving out clarity or something along those lines because uh, that, that's basically what we need. On you should just call it clarity. Clarity news with Gary Stein. Clarity news. Hey, okay, well, that that works out too. Although you know, some some people like the G spot thing. I I just happen to be not one of them. Do people like that? I don't think anybody likes that. I mean, the, like the real one, yeah. But the 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 Dame G spot or a news segment. I don't think anybody likes that. G-spot. Yeah, do a, do a poll to see if people like it or not. In the meantime, what? today G stands for generic. All right. Okay. I grew up in the legitimate drug culture because my father was a pharmacist. And I remember back in the 70s, his big thing he was railing on was the fact that they were at the, at the advent of generic drugs. When suddenly, more than just the people who created the drug itself were going to be able to make copies of it and sell it at a lower price than those people who had made the name brands. And, they, and people could only have access to that name brand as exclusivity for seven years. And at that point in time, he said, this is the beginning of the end. People are going to be buying drugs that are nothing but placebo because these, these re- generic drug companies are unregulated. And therefore, we're going to have products out there that are just not up to snuff. And I asked him to explain himself because I had uh, a couple of classes where I had to explain some of these topics in, in, in general. I figured, all right, I, I have an in here. And basically what he was saying was that if you have a whole bunch of different companies making the same product, each one of them will make it slightly different. And if you're talking about medicine and pharmacists are usually are asked the questions, what will this medicine do for me? And <clears throat> uniformity is the key to knowing exactly whether a drug is efficacious and safe or not. Because if you have six different brands with six different cannabinoid profiles, six different <clears throat> uh, uh, terpene profiles, then you're not getting the same product each time. So therefore, it shouldn't even be called that. So... That is basically what, what he was going at in regards to the, to the big pharma aspect of it. And I'm not going to agree with anything in regards to Kevin Sabet is concerned because he works very heavily with big pharma and he, for some odd reason, has a, a doctorate. And he's the only, only doctor who at the Department of Health over at, uh, in, at the University of Florida, rather the, uh, the, the Department of Medicine. He's not really a, a, a brilliant man, but he, he does know how to, to push the big pharma line. And he's always been saying, if this is medicine, then we have to be able to put it into a bill with an exact dose and things of that sort. That is not, is not the way the plant was built in the first place. And so therefore, we have to, we're at kind of a juncture as to, <clears throat> is, is it true that if somebody has a particular strain, that anybody else can have that and, and there's no regulation involved? So how can somebody say, well, this particular Hong Kong strain will be good for your migraines or your thing of that sort? If... A Hong Kong strain from one MMTC is totally different from the Hong Kong strain from another. And that's all about brands. 
And that is what we're, we're dealing with right now when it comes to multi-state organizations is that each of these companies come with, with their own brand of a, of a product that is built on a particular strain. And the thing is they have to be able to back up their claims. Mm, that, is, right. that is how a medical program does work. Well, I, I, it, but it doesn't have to be in pill form. It here, just doesn't have to be given to big that, pharma. Uh, there, uh, what I know about cannabis genetics is there's over a thousand different genetic possibilities. Yeah. Um, I think it's so. Ex- I mean, what you're what you're proposing is to be so exact; it's almost impossible. Well, and that and that is just it. it cannabis doesn't fit that mold per se. Yeah. Because of the fact that. Each person's uh, endocannabinoid system is unique to them. Yeah, that's yeah. another thing. There's that. And, and, and if you're somebody who smokes four ounces a week, and Chris, you know who I'm talking about, uh, they generally have a higher tolerance than those people who for, for whom a, uh, a one gram pre-roll will last them an entire week. Wait, it's uh, you smoke four ounces a week, <laughs> <laughs> or were you look? Or your? No, I did not say that. But you, if you if you want to go ahead and make you, that implication, or, I did not. I did not imply it. <laughs> you and your wife smoke four. <laughs> I don't. I don't know about four ounces. That's that's, that's a lot of money. I don't know. I don't know about Kano, but I would definitely believe that that your wife smokes four ounces. <laughs> <laughs> look, you know, um, I would say this much in regards to. Um, the current regulatory models that we have are going to have to change if they do want to regulate cannabis, because, you know, to the point that Carlos just touched on about genetics, you can grow, let's just throw something out there. For example, a strain like uh, gorilla glue, right? Let's say you, you, you grow that somewhere and in one state, and then you grow it in another state, same exact genetics, but the environmental conditions can actually change uh, the final product that you have too, and the final cannabinoids. And also um, how, you know, you know the, the different growers in the different states are treated. I mean, you can take some great Gorilla Glue from Cali that has the same genetics as the Gorilla Glue grown by some of these MMTCs here in Florida, and then you're wondering why the stuff here in Florida, uh, it can have mold, it can have pesticides, it can have a lower uh, a THC count than the stuff that you're getting from Cali, and it's the same exact genetic profile. I think, uh, in Ed- like, I think what we're trying to get to is somewhat possible. Like the fact that, like, that Gary, the what Gary pot brought up about uh, everybody having their own like separate endocannabinoid system and they react mm-hmm. to differently to everything is a very good fucking point. But like, I do think that like instead of thinking in terms of strains, we should just think levels. Like we should think like you know, for headaches we need this amount of limonene. You know, and this amount ah. of CBD and THC. And what and you're talking about is standards. Yes. There we go. That Thank is you. what we need. And that's, what, and that's what I was getting at. Because the whole fear of generic drugs back in the 1970s uh, eventually went away because there was a standard put in place that said if you, you've got a, a capsule of erythromycin and it was tested, it had to have the standard, even if it was a generic, of having just this much erythromycin in it. And, mm. and the fillers had to be A, B, C, D, and E. With those standards, it therefore goes from a prohibited substance to a controlled substance, and that's what they call it. They call it a controlled substance as opposed to a prohibited substance back in, in Schedule One, because of the fact that they feel that if it's properly regulated, there may be a use for it, and therefore it's easier to categorize once you ha- have standards in place saying this particular medication has to have this, 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 and this in those these particular levels. How it reacts to a person, 
is different. I mean, pharma, big pharma is big on this. There are antihistamines that make some people drowsy as hell. Give them to a kid and they peel them off the ceiling for the rest of the day. Like they had, just had you know, a pound of sugar put into their cereal. Mm. But that, that, is, that is something that the big pharma has been dealing with for a while. If you look at a, any kind of package, it'll talk about the different side effects that can happen with any kind of medication. And then when they talk about common uh, uh, side effects, sometimes you're talking about something that happens 10% or 5% of the time. And there were ones anywhere between one, one in a million to one in 10,000, things of that sort. <clears throat> because the, the, more, the larger the population, the more chance there is for variance in regards to the effect. And a, a particular medication may have a del deleterious effect that happens one out of one of a million people. But if that particular one out of a million happens to be fatal, they will pull it off the market because you, you don't even want to take that much of a chance. And the, the question is at that point in time is at what level is a, a side effect enough to, to pull it off the market? And that is what the FDA does when they talk about a controlled substance. They want to control the standard of it to make certain that it, it is it is exactly what it's supposed to be. I, I know you're just talking about like FDA definitions, but it's just bothering me. I just want to point out that a prohibited substance is indeed a controlled substance, but not by FDA's standards. Well, sorry. There's levels of control. There's levels of control. There's control, control one, control two, control three. Uh, if you look on, on, on packages, you'll see a C with a, a Roman numeral in the middle of it. Really? And, and that'll tell you what, at what level of, of controlled substance it is. No shit. I didn't know that. Absolutely. Well, so, you know, regardless of where the federal legalization lands, uh, upcoming in 2022, there's going to be a lot of state ballot initiatives that can really change the landscape of what cannabis looks like in this country. I guess the first question I have about the, the, the ballot initiatives is will it actually get to the ballot? Well, you know, um, in Arkansas, they're working towards a, a legalization initiative. They need to gather 89,000 signatures by July of 2022, and that will allow adults to legally purchase four ounces of marijuana and grow 12 plants at home. Now, Arkansas is definitely another state in the South, so that, that's you know, forward progress. But here's one, Gary, that might shock you. Idaho has two initiatives and Idaho really is the last state to, to fall, you know, in, in this row of dominoes. Um, they're working with collecting signatures for a depenalization ballot initiative, which would allow adults to possess up to three ounces on private property um, without any criminal penalties. And then they're also pushing for a medical uh, marijuana initiative, which will allow uh, medical patients to grow up to six plants. They need 65,000 signatures for that by May of 2022. So just to see that these these really uh, states in the deep south and states out there in the mountains, uh, which have been, you know, some of the holdouts for prohibition, uh, finally, you know, active pushing through, uh, we should see some changes. Even Nebraska on the ballot, but they, they need to collect hundred And Nebraska, Idaho, and Kansas are the last three states that still at this point in time do not have a any level of cannabis uh legalization that includes uh, CBD or low THC cannabis, except mm -hmm. for the stuff that, that came out of the Farm Act, but they still kind of suppress that. But Idaho, you know, the land of the spuds, they had already decided that a long time ago that they were not going to get this through legislatively. It would have to be done by a ballot initiative. And I guess at that point in time, you have to rely on your legislature to put together a process for ballot initiatives that makes it easier. In California, I think it's far too lax, this whole concept of what happened with this recall measure 
shows that the bar was far, far too low because the guy won by a landslide the first time. They went ahead and spent uh, one third of a billion dollars on, on, on an election to come up with the exact same conclusion. <laughs> uh, just shows to show you that the bar was far too low. But in Florida right now, the bar is too high. And we, uh, we're, we're, we're happy to hear that uh, Regulate Florida was down but not out. And they have just come up with their newest version. Regulate 22 is out now. And the, the, applica- the, the petition is out. But they're going to have to get one hell of a lot of uh, signatures and a lot more than they got last time. Yeah, what is it now? It's like 800,000. It's over 800,000 signatures. But you have to get at least 80,000 80, signatures just to get to the Supreme Court where oh, they got knocked sure. out last time. But the good, new, good thing about going to the Supreme Court and getting knocked out is you know exactly where they're thinking now. And know what you can change to make things better, which is what they're, they're working on right now as far as regulators concerned. They fixed those glitches that the Supreme Court was able to point to and, and, and knock it down whoa, whoa. and remove those. And that's exactly what happened with Amendment 2 in 2014 versus Amendment 2 in 2016. They learned oh, cool. the first time. However, <laughs> if the makeup of the court changes, sometimes their opinion will change as well. And that is mm. something else we have to deal with. The fact right now we still have a guy in office in the governor's mansion who does some kind of cray-cray things, including putting people into the uh, Supreme Court who may be far too far to the right to make a totally unbiased opinion. I think that is basically what we're dealing with right now, and we don't know if things are going to change to get even worse in the next next couple of years, that even if they change the ballot initiative, will the opinions of the Supreme Court change as well? Mm. Now, Idaho, uh, the good people over at, at, uh, in South Dakota, the people who brought you that giant biker rally that's now gotten, what, 300,000 cases out of it, uh, also have their, their fantastic governor, Christy Nome, as G-N-O-M-E, uh, for those people who don't know how to spell it incorrectly. Uh, and basically what happened was they voted on an initiative, and, and the levels of that they were able to get legislated to get it on the ballot were, were, were met. The, the number of people who voted for it, that level was met. And then after it was met, then they sent it back to the Supreme Court, who then said it was not legal. And mm. so therefore, they knocked it down after the people voted for it, which is, which is I, I hate to tell you guys, but uh, you know, South Dakota is as backwards. It's hey. just, that, that, that's just my opinion. Those people who like Mount Rushmore, you, you be you. Uh, so, so you said that the the glitches that they cha- they fixed the glitches. What were the glitches? Oh, well, in that particular instance, in, in South South Dakota. No, no, no. Regulate Florida. Regulate Florida. <laughs> Regulate Florida, please. Right. I don't want to talk about Idaho or any other state but Florida right now. <laughs> <laughs> what what were Regulate Florida's glitches? <laughs> uh, all right. Well. Uh, they, 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 it was a very long document, let's put it that way. Okay. And there were a lot of pieces they were able to, to knock off. Uh, they, they, it was they, six they, pages, they, Gary, six pages. The, the, yeah, the it, was, it was a six-page document. And there was, a lot, there, there was a lot of meat to pour through to, to, to find the errors in there. And uh-huh. they found a couple. And uh, we'll go over it in, in more depth next week when I've had a chance to study the, the uh, ballot. And it's even better. I'm still going to go ahead and sign it. I believe it should be in the hands of the voters. So if, it, if you get that petition... Damn it! Sign it. Don't don't sign it, Mickey Mouse. Don't sign it, Superman, like you guys did with the uh, the MILF petition, because that really did kind of backfire. You you might have not liked it, but you should at least have given the, the voters a chance to vote on it. Kano, did you did you read the new Regulate Florida petition yet? I did. I, I read it over last night, um, and uh-huh. I I think that one of the key differences uh, in the new one, you know, 
taking lessons that they learned from their Supreme Court review is that this new regulate Florida petition does not create any type of regulated adult use market. It is strictly a petition that legalizes marijuana and allows for home growth. So anything having to do with a regulated market will be left up to the legislature, but it does allow for the existing uh, you know, MMTC structures to essentially sell a, a adult use cannabis. So, well, I, you know, that's kind thing, of the takeaways that I see. One thing about what you said I want to bring up, and I think Gary will find this in- interesting if he if he hasn't read this part yet, is that it does leave a lot to the legislator for a regulate market, except for one thing, and that's the amount of THC allowed in cannabis. I love that. Right. So that was fucking awesome. I loved that. Like, absolutely love that because the headache that we get every time the legislator comes, the legislative season comes around for this ten percent cap is unbearable. And Gary stresses out about it quite a bit. Not oh, necessarily about the actual thing passing, but about how much. Uh, time we waste over this damn percentage caps yeah because in 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 the long run the 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 level of thc is not as important as as they knock it out to be and yet there's still a threshold you do want to meet in regards to the amount of thc that you have Mm -hmm. now for some people people tend to to equate the value of of a particular product based on the amount of thc uh per per dollar that you get that's that's what they talk about in regards to the value is concerned yeah but there could be products out there with 16 percent thc with a fantastic terpene profile that'll actually do better for you than something with which is 24 percent thc and don't have the proper terpene uh profile to to navigate that product exactly where it needs to go in your body Mm. the way the way that it affects the receptors and things of that sort and so we need we need to be cognizant of the fact that THC value uh, percentage in and of itself is not the end all, mm-hmm. but it is definitely part of the equation and it definitely has thresholds involved. And to, to say less than 10%, I mean, it really does cut out a wide variety of, of, uh, of strains that are needed for particular things. They have to have at least that much in it or, at least, or, or as much as 15 to 20% to do what it has to do. What did you say earlier? The standards for the, you know, we can't, we can't, you know, we have to have different like standards for the percentage I mean, well, of terpenes. Friends, and when stuff. we had when we had gas shortage, they, they started adding ethanol. When, we, when they had gas shortage, they started adding ethanol into gas, saying, "Don't worry, it'll be the exact same thing, only be cheaper." Well, the question is, was it really? A lot of, a lot of times, a lot of a lot of engines got messed up with, uh, with ethanol when it wasn't properly changed for it, and things of that sort. So you have to be careful when you when you mess with mother nature kind of thing. All right. Yeah. Well, well, you know, so a lot of folks in the chat here are wondering what's the plant count allowed under this new Regulate Florida petition. And uh, it says here that each household member may cultivate up to nine live marijuana plants. If there are more than two adults in the household, the maximum total shall be 18 total live plants, regardless of how many adults. Now, each household member may cultivate up to nine plants with up to six female marijuana plants in the flowering stage at a time with the balance of any live marijuana plants in the vegetative stage. So you get nine plants max. You can have up to six in flowering with another three in the vegetative stage. And male plants shall not be included in your total and will only count as vegetative uh, stage plants. Hermaphroditic marijuana plants bearing any female flowers shall be included in your flowering stage total. So I, you know, I think so, that 
you know. I think there's pros and cons. Here, so, so you're you talking know. about like transplants? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those who don't know, hermaphroditic plants oftentimes occur when you um, have let your your plant last too long in the in the flowering stage. And they end up, you know, because flowering is part of the marijuana plant's reproductive cycle. So basically, it's an old horny plant saying, oh, my God, I'm not going to get pregnant. So it, 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 it impregnates itself. Now, there, there's <laughs> definite pros and cons to what you, you guys are talking with, with the whole plate count things. Uh, and like it, it definitely is going to be in our Constitution. And we just talked about how we shouldn't level the percentage of THC, yeah, we shouldn't. We also shouldn't limit the amount of plants that we should grow. But here's the pro: here it also makes sure that we're able to grow, yeah, which we're not currently able to do, and it ensures that people that can't afford these large prices are going to be able to grow. Do you guys think, like, if this amendment passes, right? Do you think the price of marijuana in Florida would drop or go up? Okay. Uh, we have to talk about this, the tax structure that might be put in place. Oh, hey, yeah, that's, that's... And if it's not if it's not addressed in the petition, they will address it in the legislature, and we could get anything from what they're doing in Illinois and, and uh, Oregon, which the, the sales taxes, uh, the ad valorem tax goes up to what forty eight percent. Plus, they have an excise tax that growers have to pay as well, so that drives the price up automatically just from the regulatory side. Well, there's some more questions coming in about where folks can grow. And I'm glad that they mentioned this because it says that, you know, clearly here in the amendment, it's outlined cultivation must take place indoors in a lockable area with marijuana plants not visible or accessible to the public or outside in an enclosed lockable structure with marijuana plants not visible or accessible to the public. So you have the option to grow it outdoors as long as you can lock it. And you can grow it indoors as long as you can lock it up. And then no one who's actually working on the plants is under the age of 21. So, sorry, you can't have a home garden growing with your kids. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> and how would they... Uh, how would they know that? How would they regulate that? How would exactly. they verify that? You know, one thing that this doesn't do is allow for the selling of plants to each other. So, you know, uh, we were, you were just talking about taxes, Gary. The taxes don't really, you know, come into effect in regards to regulate Florida right here. That would be something that would be left up to the state legislature. What exactly. This is, what this does is allow for personal use, allows for personal possession, allows you to, to transport it. So, I mean, all in all, it, I, you know, if you're transporting six marijuana plants in your car and you get pulled over, uh you know, as long as as long as you're under that nine plant count and you're you're transporting them to, to another place, I don't you know, I, I don't see any criminal penalties. So I think this is a it's a good start. I mean, it, to Carlos's point, it leaves a lot to be said, at, you know, when we're letting the politicians fill in the blanks and to some hardcore uh, libertarians and constitutionalists, this might not meet the muster. But for the vast majority of us, it allows us to grow it indoor or outdoors. It allows us to grow plants. It allows us to have it. I think a lot of people will support this. I, I think regardless of whether or not you think it's good, what Gary pointed out right when we first started talking about this is that we should sign it. We should have this up for a vote. Yeah. Let the people yeah. decide. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and hopefully they do their, their own research with uh, re reputable sources. 
<laughs> this show is the only reputable source in the state of Florida. That's right. You can, you can feel free to reference us. My name is Ibid, I-B-I-D. It's, that's, that's, my name. that's my name on all the papers I've ever written. <laughs> well, Carlos, why don't you... I also use the, 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 uh, the pen name et al. as well. <laughs> Carlos, why don't you drop the link there? There we go. So, folks, look, download it, uh, you know, print it out, sign it, and mail it in to Regulate Florida. Uh, help them get to where they need to get to. You know, I was uh, one of the regional organizers for United for Care back in 2015 when we were working to get it on the 2016 ballot. And I recall the summer of 2015, you know, spending all July, August, September sweating my balls off, 16 hours a day working to get petitions uh, for folks, you know, for a measly 400 bucks every two weeks. So I can tell you that, you know, and that was with a, a majorly funded initiative. You know, that's one where John Morgan was putting in millions of dollars into it. You had, um, you know, big campaign managers like Ben Pallera out there uh, uh, pushing it. And, 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 you know, so Regulate Florida as a PAC, as an organization, does not necessarily have the resources that United for Care had. So that's why, you know, they're asking folks to print it out and mail it in to help with this initial first batch. I mean, obviously there'll be volunteer events uh, where folks can come out and, and get it signed, but all in all, it is gonna take a massive grassroots effort to get a million signatures uh, essentially by the end of the year, because, you know, you wanna have them ready and get them verified in time to, to meet the muster for the Supreme Court and also to get on the ballot uh, for, for you know, it's, it's got to be done in fucking three months. I mean, so uh, the fe February first <laughs> is Fe February first, twenty twenty two, is the deadline for Supreme Court review to be on the the ballot for the following November. Yeah, and they so, waited a, a year for the Supreme Court review after it was already granted. Actually, a year and a half. That's yeah. two two hundred thousand petitions a month. Right. Yeah, that's fifty thousand a week. Yeah, and and, and MILF was able to do about do it with through this massive mail campaign, and they still fell short in part because of the people who were actually filling out false petitions and and having to have them canceled. And so I, had, I don't, I don't, want to, I don't want to necessarily blame that. I mean, you're going to get bad. It was petitions. a factor, not the factor. Yeah, you're going to get bad petitions regardless, right? Like uh, uh, signatures might not match, and you have some. Um, uh, Supervisor of elections who are real petty about your signature matching. I mean, I've been turned away at the polls because my signature didn't match. And then I was like, okay, wait a minute. I need to sign it exactly how I signed my driver's license 10 years ago in order to, to, to be able to vote. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of factors that go into play in this. Folks who sign it and they're not even registered to vote, they're going to toss those out too. <laughs> yeah, and let's, let's be clear. There's also one session between here and February, well, actually, that, that, that's when it starts. But they could still pass a bill this next session that could change the ballot initiative process again. Oh yeah, they can make it harder. That's a that's a fair assessment, Gary. So all in all, you know, folks, we got uh, from now to December, essentially to you know the end of December, the end of the year, uh, to push and get regulate Florida over the top. But it is going to take a massive grassroots effort. It's going to take people paying attention right now because we've already lost this summer. Like I said before, uh, United for Care had you know, one, they had already been on the ballot before. And so they had a whole database of people and then they had the funding. So, you know, um, Regulate Florida is definitely going to need help. They're going to need money. You know, so folks who want to donate, they're going to have to do that as well. But it is going to be an uphill battle. Let's not take this for granted in any way, shape or form that, that even though it is a, a, a good initiative, is it actually going to make the difference? You, you, it's going to take the people to push it over the top.
Well, we need to take a look and see what happened in 2014 with the, with the First Amendment, too. Part of the problem was, was their marketing. They, didn't have, they had their very first television commercial to go ahead and, and spread this far and wide at Halloween, a few days before the actual, the, uh, the, the actual election, where almost two-thirds or maybe even three-quarters of all the uh, absentee ballots had already been sent in, and a lot of people didn't get a chance to even get to, to see it. So marketing is key. <laughs> to making sure this is done right. I remember that our good friend Bob Plathorn had said there are some uh, billboards you should be using right now to promote this, and they didn't. Mm. They had that opportunity. They were inexpensive. He, the guy is a, an old pitch man, so he knows how this one goes. Yeah, I know, Bob, you're watching, so you know what we're talking about. Well, I think, and, Gary, also part of the problem with 2014 is that in the in the news media, they started to, to shape it up as a battle between Grady Judd and Florida sheriffs and the, the status quo versus John Morgan. And that and, and the patients seem to get left out in the discussion. And that's one of the reasons why Carlos and I founded this chapter of Normal, because we felt as though in 2014, patients were being left out of the discussion and it was becoming more about political personalities. And that's, that is the way it happens. I mean, we, we, we do vote for personalities as opposed to, to policies. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that I am uh, OG, but I do get these flyers every once in a while from AARP, which which reminds people that to, that they need to vote the policy, not the person. And yet we 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 are constantly voting on, on the personality of of our legislators. Of course, if they did, Ab Anthony Sabatini would never get elected. But that's besides the point. And I want to remind people to join Suncoast Normal. <laughs> what a great segue. I ha that absolutely has no connection, but it works for me. You said that you wanted to remind people, so I remind yes. Oh, there you go. Remind. Yes. I'm allowed to remind people, too. And I, I just you know, want to remind people to become members of our wonderful group. Because signing the petition is not going to be enough. We also have to have some legislative pressure to make certain that that ballot initiative process is easier to get through than it is right now. And, those, and, of course, we need to start working on all the other things we need to fix the medical yeah. program as well, such as patient protection, employee protection, reciprocity. If we get legal, if we get the federally legal uh, cannabis this year, which is not going to happen, <laughs> if we had it, that w and, they, and they used the COA's process in regards to that, the states are still allowed to put in their own rules. The only thing that, that the states would not be in total control of would be interstate commerce. Right. And, and the problem is, if you don't have reciprocity in your state and you do have interstate commerce, people can bring product into your state, but they can't use it here. And so hmm. that's going to cause all sorts of regulatory issues in regards to who has legal product, who has illegal product, et cetera, because we're having that problem right now with stuff that's being uh, smuggled in from California because of the, they have a huge uh, product mix out there. So you need to get legislatively involved, and that is one of the things that we at Suncoast Normal as a 501c4 do. And so, therefore, you join us, you join the movement. We don't have to expect to see your treasure. We hope to see your, your talent and your time as well because we need to get this done, and then people power is the strength of our nation. So join for us a mere $25. And what do we get for $25? We get Carlos. a membership card. Uh, gold leaf lapel pin that you got. Let me take this down so you can see that better. Hold there on. There you now. go. Okay. Okay, okay. Hold on. What is it? Oh, I was just saying. Uh, uh, okay, no, there, Anyways, there we go. There it is. It's right there. There you go. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> and, and my shirt, which says, get the facts and get the facts. Yeah. And, and, and you get, you get uh, you know, exclusive access to some of our awesome events that we have. You know, this year, 
uh, despite the pandemic, we still were able to hold uh, some socially responsible events. We had the best blunt in the Bay rolling competition in April. Uh, we had uh, our Suncoast Normals Got Talent uh, showcase at the end of July, and we're looking to, to do one more event before the end of the year. So I'm pretty excited to see you know all the great things that we've been able to do. And we host our regular quarterly membership meetings online right now to allow more folks to participate. But all in all, we are trending in the right direction in Florida. What we're missing is you, you the people. We need you to join, we need you to become members. We need your people power and your voices added to our own so we can push this over the top and get legalization over and done with. And we are going to have a lobby day with Normal in Tallahassee so your voices can be heard going face to face, toe to toe, nose to nose with our legislators. We don't point any fingers at them because you could get arrested. And at least keep in touch with us. A good way to keep in touch with us is just following us, following us on social media. If you want to bribe our legislators, be sure to bring at least a five spot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're at Suncoast Normal, N-O-R-M-L. You can see us at our website, suncoastnormal.org. Or if you're watching us, you can listen to us. You can download the rotation on Pandora, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and iTunes. And if you're listening to us, you can watch us. You can watch us live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And remember. And our website. .org, <laughs> 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 watch, watch slash live. There you go. Hey. And remember, if you smoke the devil's at, uh, lettuce, I'll see you in health. Hey. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member. Because that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation Podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the Rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal. Gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National. All by joining Suncoast Normal. That website, again, is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night.